All right, welcome to APS Radio number 25. With me today, I got Dr. Miriam Siegel from CDC and NIOSH. Good morning to you. Or, well, it's good morning on the West Coast. Good afternoon for me. Absolutely, you as well. All right, so we're going to talk about this study that came out December 21st, so not that long ago, about uh, researching risk of birth defects among children of male firefighters. And that is just an interesting topic to me. You know, I, I know it's one thing as a firefighter to be exposed to all different things, but the mere thought of passing that on to our children is a little scary. Mm -hmm. So what was the rationale behind this study? Yeah, so you wouldn't be alone in being interested in this topic. You know, it's certainly a growing topic of interest in the fire service. I know in the National Fallen Firefighters Foundation, they release a um, research priority agenda and reproductive health among firefighters is one of those priority areas of research. Um, now there's, there's growing evidence on reproductive health impacts of firefighters among female firefighters. Um, which is, is something people might think is the primary focus of reproductive health. Um, but obviously, male firefighters uh, can, can experience reproductive health effects of exposures potentially as well. Um, you know, some of our co-authors have been producing uh, some of that evidence uh, of reproductive health effects among female firefighters, like um, they've been looking at miscarriage, preterm birth, um, biological changes that could affect fertility, for example. Um, but birth defects hasn't been something that's so easy to study among children of firefighters. Certainly not female firefighters, uh, because birth defects, they are a rare outcome. They're a rare birth outcome. And female firefighters comprise uh, a large minority of the fire service. So there's there's not a lot of opportunity to look at enough cases of birth defects among fem female firefighters to conduct research. However, um, we do have the opportunity to look at birth defects among children of male firefighters um, using different data sources. So in the past, there's been a few studies that have looked at this topic birth defects among male firefighters. Um, but at this point, they were published a few decades ago um, and, and they come with a few limitations as well. Um, but we did wanna look at this because it is a high priority for the fire service. And there's also evidence to hypothesize some kind of an association, not just because of other research studies, um, but also growing evidence for mechanistic changes on a biological level that relate to cancer among firefighters. Um, there could be some overlap and similarity between those same biological changes and reproductive toxicity or developmental toxicity. So at CDC, NIOSH collaborates with the National Center on Birth Defects and Developmental Disabilities to analyze data from a study called the National Birth Defects Prevention Study, which is a large national case control study of birth defects among, um, among women uh, that delivered children between 1997 and 2011. Now, the mothers, the mothers that were interviewed for that study 
were also asked uh, information about their own jobs, as well as the jobs of the baby's fathers um, in that study. And so we were able to identify fathers of um, children with birth defects, as well as controls, control families of babies that did not have birth defects, um, that reported a job as firefighting um, around the time of conception um, or non-firefighting. So we compared uh, uh, we compared the occupation of children with birth defects to the occupation of children without birth defects and whether they were more likely to have a father that was a firefighter compared to a father that was not a firefighter. And we also compared the occupation of firefighting to the occupation of police officers, because like, like firefighters, police officers, they're emergency responders, and they share many of the same characteristics as firefighters. Um, but one key difference is the nature of their work in that police officers probably aren't exposed to the same fire-related hazards like heat and chemical as often or as intensely with the same magnitude uh, as firefighters. So we compared police officers to firefighters so we could explore some of those associations that might be more directly related to those hazards. Um, so that's a little bit about the makeup of the study as well. And, and we saw that study and data from that study as a good opportunity to take a first look at the topic of birth defects among children of male firefighters. So how many father firefighters, for lack of a better term, I'm sure there's more of a scientific term for that, but how many did you have for the study included? So we found, um, we identified about 227 infants whose fathers were firefighters in this study. Um, and we were able to compare those to um, 433 families with fathers who were police officers uh, and nearly 36,000 uh, children with fathers who were non-firefighters. Uh, and, and that large of a comparison group provides uh, a lot of uh, statistical power for us to be able to detect associations. That's, yeah, that's a pretty big size study. That's pretty neat. So what were the results of the study? So um, our results suggested that children born with a certain congenital heart defect called total anomalous pulmonary venous return or TAPVR, um, these children were about three times more likely to have a father that was a firefighter as opposed to a non-firefighter um, as opposed uh, when compared to children that were not born with a birth defect. Um, so TAPVR, this is a condition that affects the heart's ability to pump oxygen-rich blood back to the body. Um, and it's, it's concerning because babies born with this condition, they might need surgery or other procedures soon after they were born. Um, we also found that infants born with a limb defect called transverse limb deficiency were roughly twice as likely to have a firefighter versus a not have a father that was a firefighter versus a non-firefighter um, uh, when compared to infants that did not have a birth defect. And these limb deficiencies occur when um, part or all of an arm or leg, for example, does not completely form. 
And lastly, we also saw associations between firefighting uh, as a paternal occupation and children born with cleft palate and cleft lip. And we saw this association in comparison to non-firefighting fathers, as well as police officer fathers. Um, so cleft palate and, and lip happens when the tissue making up the upper lip or roof of the mouth does not um, join completely during pregnancy. Wow. That's some interesting stuff. And, and, and I think brings lots of thoughts of what's kind of next. Um, what do we still don't know? I mean, that's that's a lot of information, but where kind of do we go from here? It's a lot of information, um, and and it's a it's a first look at this um, at this topic in in a long while, um, and certainly with the sample size that we were able to analyze with this study. Um, however, we were only able to look at occupational status. Uh, we don't know, importantly. Um, whether these results could be due uh, to direct toxicity uh, to the men of the male reproductive system, um, like for example, certain chemicals or heat that might alter developing sperm, for example, um, or whether associations could be caused by indirect effects caused by take-home exposure of pregnant partners that are at home, um, so, or a combination of these two mechanisms. So more work needs to be done to understand both the toxicity to male reproduction, as well as the possibility of firefighters exposing their family members at home through contaminated gear, clothes, or skin that they might bring home with them. Um, and, and again, as with any study, there were a few scientific limitations with the results of ours. It's an imperfect study. Um, so future research needs to be done to replicate our findings and to delve a little bit deeper. What specific uh, risk factors, what exposures, what behaviors might uh, specifically be impacting reproductive health among firefighters? What, uh, what were the measures that you thought that firefighters could use to protect themselves from you know, being diagnosed themselves with cancer or some other disease, but also passing it on to, you know, their children. So that's the good news. So, um, you know, I've mentioned that this research topic, it's understudied. Um, there were limitations to our study and, and also other studies. So there's still a lot more we need to know to quantify the risk. Um, however, what has been well studied are exposure reduction interventions um, among firefighters and in fire in, in um, fire departments. Um, and a lot of these best practices, they're already being implemented by fire departments and fire service organizations recommending them, like the Lavender Ribbon Report and behaviors like showering immediately after um, responding to a fire incident. Um, handling your contaminated gear properly, um, and also just living a healthy lifestyle. So um, firefighters can, uh, you know, the, the results of our study might be scary, but firefighters can already look at the best practices for reducing their exposure. And a lot of these exposures 
um, you know, are the rationale for uh, what we think could pose reproductive risks. Yeah, very interesting. I think to sum it up, at least from, from my standpoint, is this gives us even more of an incentive as a firefighter of why we should be doing everything we possibly can to reduce our risk throughout our entire career from the from the very start when we're in rookie school till we retire we have to do everything we can and this is just um it's it's heavy it's a heavy subject when you start talking about your kids um or future kids let me think about how many of us that start that don't have any kids yet and think they're invincible and this job comes at them and says otherwise, not only with them, but their kids. So it is. Uh, and I'd also like to add, you know, reproductive health, it's it's not just a concern for female firefighters. Um, often when we say that, you know, we we first think of, you know, women that are firefighting and and how it is gonna affect their pregnancy, but um, you know, there there are very real effects that could be um, happening with male firefighters as well. And like I mentioned, um, the potential for them to bring those exposures back home um, and exposing their own family members. So just a greater awareness um, among the fire service, um, which they've been doing a wonderful job with, especially with cancer and just having an overall interest in um healthier best practices and and protecting their long-term health um, overall. Well, thank you and your team so much for bringing us to light. Uh, I remember being part of that National Fallen Firefighter um, conversation about this very topic and to see it, you know, come out a couple of years later, I think is, is absolutely great. But to me, this gives me the opportunity now to go and teach all these recruits, which I love to do about how important it is, not just for themselves, but for others, people in their future family you know, to do Absolutely. what they have to do. And we couldn't have done it without this collaboration. Uh, you know, we published the, the research article in the industrial American journal of industrial medicine. Um, and, and we worked with, our partners from um, the National Center for the National Center on Birth Defects and Developmental Disabilities, as well as members from NDRI USA with uh, specific experience in the fire service, as well as a partner from uh, University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill, which uh, he was involved in some of the older studies too. So this was definitely a collaborative effort. And I'd also really encourage listeners to look at the blog we published. It's it's a lot easier to digest than our scientific publication. Um, that can be found on CDC's website, um, researching birth defects among children of male firefighters. It's, it's a fantastic uh, way to digest the information and understand what we did, what we found, and um, some resources to to defer to for knowing what to do about it as well. Yeah, it's only three pages. <laughs> it's only three pages. Four pages is my limit. So three, <laughs> three worked out, and I'll make sure to put a link to that in the, the page description. Great, that would be fantastic. Yes, so thank you again for 
um, helping create this and bringing this issue to light where we actually have, before there was, there's kind of an assumption, but actually being able to have it on paper and to show that there is something there that we can be passing this stuff on to our children. Um, we, we have that ability now, thanks to you and your team. So awesome work. I can't wait to see what's next from all of you. Thank you. Thanks. Down the, down the street in Cincinnati at NIOSH, but some of us, I guess, get work, you know, um, remotely now. Yeah, exactly. Lucky. Thanks for helping me and thanks for having an interest in it and helping raise awareness on the topic. You get a, you get to live now somewhere that has in and out burger. I'm jealous. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I still haven't gotten it since I've been here. Oh my gosh. I've been the first thing. I know. All right. Well, with that, that's Miriam and I'm Jim. We're out of time. And again, just wear your gear. Do what you know you need to do for you and your family. So thank you. Thank you.